We're going to welcome Amelia up. Come up, come up here. Oh, I'm going to so enjoy this. <laughs> I, want, I want to tell you something about Amelia. There is probably no one in this church that knows more of your names than Amelia. There is probably no one in this church that loves and cares for the teenagers than Amelia. There is no one I know that has, has tirelessly worked and served building and building and inputting in these young lives than Amelia. Okay, and she's gonna talk to you tonight about the Bible, right? You really wanna hear what she says. So she's not gonna, I know we, we're running over. She's not gonna shorten her talk because we wanna hear what she says. So why don't you welcome her? So I can do three hours. That's what you said, three hours. Three hours is fine. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Good evening. Do you not love that in heaven we get to worship forever? Like that's the reality that we get to do that forever. And before I start, I would love to just share some stories about what's happening in our youth. Is that okay? You might see, if you come on a Sunday morning, you see the noisy ones at the front side here, and then you see them all exit as Steve gets on, on stage. It's not a personal thing. We just do our own thing out there. And I would love to just share some stories. So for starters, some of you might see that we've, um, I think there's now three pairs of crutches, isn't there, that we've seen people get rid of. But this week, one of our teenagers, he has broken his pelvis. In fact, it was really gruesome. He like kicked a football and a bit of his bone came off with a ligament and he was on crutches and he was at revival prayer. And he, some of his friends prayed for him and then they said, tomorrow you're gonna wake up in no pain. And he bounded into youth on Wednesday, literally like, Meals, I can walk. I've been at college all day, no crutches. All the pain had gone. Jesus had healed him. It's crazy. And some of them are setting up like Christian groups in their school this week. They started a new one and I asked them how it went and they were like, yeah, it was really good. We, I was like, oh, what did you talk about? It was their first week. And they were like, yeah, so we did relationships and blasphemy. I was like, okay, cool. You went really nice and, nice and chill on your first week. But they love Jesus. They're passionate about it. And then this other one story, which I love, there's some of our teenagers that over time have been here and then maybe their parents move church, maybe they're not in church, but our teenagers here are still praying and seeking for them. And there's this one girl that one of them has been praying for. She's like, I've not actually reached out to her, I've just been praying. And this girl reached out to her and said, this is really strange, but I keep seeing you in my dream and you're telling me about Jesus. Like God is moving in these teenagers' lives. There's gonna be a generation that rises up, that walks in spirit and truth and purity, that isn't wavered by the things of the world and they're gonna stand on the truth of who God is and they're gonna change their schools and the people around them for the glory of God. Amen. And if you wanna join that, come tomorrow evening and find out more. <laughs> that was a shameless perk. But yes, I wanna talk this evening, shameless. I wanna talk this evening about something that I tell our teenagers. So this evening I'm talking about the Bible. And our phrase in Chroma Youth is, the Bible is a non-negotiable. It is a non-negotiable. It's not a, oh, potentially I could like read my Bible, potentially I could live by the Bible. It is a non-negotiable. And when I say Bible, 
I mean this, your physical Bible, living, breathing Word of God, not your phone, not that Instagram quote, not that really nice inspirational Bible clip that you've just watched that you don't really know the context of it. I mean, the actual Word of God, it transforms your life and it transforms your family's life. It transforms your world's life. Be in it, read it, know it and set your life on it. So I'm going to talk about that this evening. Is that okay? Yes. So... And just to clarify, as I talk about the Bible, I am not a good reader. Like as in, I'm not one of those people that naturally loves reading. If you love reading, good for you. I was in the English classes where we used to read an excerpt and then just watch the film. Anyone else in that club? Like as in, they're like, you can just, you'll just get it from the film. So I'm in that club. But actually, as we read the word of God, it is his breath that we read. It is him. So as we read it, he speaks to us. So the Bible is the guide for our life. And the more we know it, the more we know about God. It affects how we walk in situations. It means we don't say ridiculous things. It means that we don't walk and make ridiculous mistakes because our life is rooted on the word of God. So this evening, I wanna talk about three things. Who the Bible says God is, who the Bible says we are, and then what we are called to do with that. But first and foremost, the Bible is God-breathed. Every word in this Bible Every it, every and, every time it says Jesus, no matter what word, it is a word from God and it can speak into your life. In 2 Timothy, it says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. It is the breath of God as you read it. As you sit and you read it in the morning, whenever it is, the literal breath of God breathes on you as you take it in. And if you know your Bible, there's times where God breathes. He breathes on Adam. When he creates him, he breathes and he breathes in life and he creates him. Jesus physically breathes on his disciples when he commissions them and he sends them out. So we receive that same breath. And then there's a resurrection breath of Jesus when he comes back to life. The breath that saves our souls for eternity. That is the same breath that you're reading as you read the Bible. As you sit and you take in the words, just breathe in the breath of what God is saying. It's the transformation of Jesus. I think we shared the story not long ago. There was someone who gave their life to Jesus and they were actually dyslexic. They'd never read a book and they actually within the space, was it two weeks? Three weeks, they read the whole New Testament That is because it's the word of God. It's the living, breathing. It's not just another story. It's not just something else. It is the word of God that transforms our life. So my first point tonight, this is Jesus in writing. It is the story of Jesus from beginning to end. In John, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is at the beginning. He's at the middle and he's for forevermore, and he is in everything that we read. He's not just in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's also in Genesis, Ezekiel, even Numbers. He's in that one too, surprising. But he's in all of them. So as you read the Bible, read him. Ask Jesus to come and enter as you read what he's saying. We say we want to know Jesus. We say we want to be that person that is on fire for Jesus. We want to know who he is. But to know Jesus is to know his word. It's to love his word, not just disregard it. To love Jesus is to love his word. 
So often we say, oh, I want, I want to come into church and I want someone to give me a word. I want someone to give that really specific prophetic word that's going to transform my life in that moment and I'm going to walk out completely different. But sometimes all we need to do is open this and Jesus speaks. He speaks to you. He speaks for you. He is within this. He is the word. We're called to read this and see Jesus. And the Jesus we see in it is the Jesus, our Redeemer, Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, the one who runs after us, who seeks after us. The Bible is a story of the Father's pursuit of us. You know, in the beginning, when Adam and Eve sin, the first thing the Father says to them, it's not, you are in trouble, where are you? Like, what? no, what are you doing? How dare you do that? He literally says, where are you? From the very beginning, this is a story of the Father seeking you want in relationship with you. The same time that you open your Bible and you read about Jesus, you get to experience his glory. You get to read about the Savior, the one who sets you free. It's God in print. So it is Jesus as you read it. And I want to just encourage you this evening that as you read it, to put on your Jesus lens. So when you read the Bible, as you sit, and you open it. I have started every Tuesday is my day off and I will go and have coffee because I love coffee, but I will go and I will sit in a coffee shop and I actively choose a seat that has an empty chair next to me. And actually in that moment, I say, I'm going on a date with Jesus and he sat right there. He's literally sat there and I don't, I will literally, if there's no seats with a seat, I won't go to that coffee shop because I want to sit with Jesus. And for me, it's that active thing of like, actually as I read my Bible in that moment, I'm not saying, oh, I'm just going to read it and take a cute Instagram photo and upload it to my story. I'm going to sit. Yeah, I know. Some of you are like, oh. We always choose the page with lots of highlights on, don't we? Like, you know, with all the writing on because you want to look extra holy, right? But we're called to read it with the King of Kings. We're called to read it with the one who wrote it. We're called to sit with him. And I sit and I go. And sometimes I don't feel like reading it. Sometimes I'd rather scroll on Instagram instead of reading it. But I actively say, I'm gonna sit here with you, Jesus, and I believe you're gonna speak. And people probably think I'm crazy because I'm sat looking at a chair. I don't speak out loud. I'm not quite at that point yet. But I actively look at this chair and I'm like, Jesus is sat there and he's gonna read this with me and he's gonna explain what some of it is. As I take it in, he is there with me. The Bible is Jesus in print. No matter which bit you're reading, there is a promise that you will get a revelation of Jesus, that you get to find out more about him and love him more from what you read. And what does it look like to read through a Jesus lens? I think it's going in with a new excitement. You can read the same thing over and over again. And if you're just reading it for the sake of reading it, it doesn't really change. But if you say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me, you see things in a new light. Sometimes the smallest word can completely change and it sets a trajectory for that week. It sets a change. I was recently reading Psalm 23, which I think a lot of people will know. A lot of us had to learn it as children. Like we know that Psalm, we read it over and over again. And I was reading it the other day and there's a point where it says, you anoint my head with oil. And I was like, yeah, cool. Anoint my head with oil. Like I received it. And then I really felt the Lord say, no, go back and read it again. So I kept just reading that bit. I was like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And I don't know you, some of you might know this. You'd be like, Niels, that's really obvious. But I was like, Jesus, where are you in this? 
You know, the thing is with sheep, I learned this, I did some research. You know, when something jumps out to you, so I was like, right, what does this mean? So I did some research and sheep, they, when they eat food off the ground, because that's what sheep do, they eat food off the ground, they get bugs in their fur. Yeah, in their fur. They get bugs in their, in their fur and it, hmm? wool, correct, it makes jumpers. Um, they, get, they get bugs. They get bugs in their, in their hair, but these bugs, they're not just bugs, they're actually bugs that begin to eat away at their skin. They're bugs that eat away at them and it actually causes them illness. But the oil that the farmer pours on them actually marks as, like, acts as a separation between them and the bugs and it sits in between. And that is the same oil we receive from Jesus when he says, and he pours himself out on you. You get to receive that oil that the things of the world can't come and eat you because the Savior is resting on you. So as you read through your Jesus lens, you get new revelations. If I just moved on, I wouldn't have had this revelation of the oil of the Lord. And I don't know about you, I want the oil of the Lord to sit in between me and the things of the world, to wash away the impurities of the world and the things that are coming against me. So read your Bible through your Jesus lens. Read it in a new way. To love the Lord is to know him. We're called to read his word and see him in it and know him and love it, him. I believe there's a, there's a rising up of a generation and not just the young. I think in everywhere, there is a turning up of the temperature. I don't know if you can feel it. There's like this sense of pressing in and seeking him. I know we love to worship and I'm not saying worship is wrong. We love to be in the presence of the Lord and I'm not saying that's wrong, but we also need to fall in love with finding Jesus in the Bible. We need to find him in here and let him transform our life. Jesus is in here. And for some of us, you might be like, I've just not heard Jesus in a while. I don't know what it's like. I don't know where he is in this. I don't know what it is. I heard someone say it not long ago. And they said, um, sometimes saying you've not heard from God is like saying, oh, um, no one's, I've got a phone, but no one's really contacting me, but you've not turned it on. If you don't open your Bible and you're asking for a word of God, you're not gonna get it. Open your Bible and hear the word of God over your life. See the Jesus lens through it. So that's my first point. Jesus is in the text of the Bible. As we read it, let him reveal himself to you. He is living and he is breathing. He knows you, he sees you, and he wants a relationship with you. And that looks like reading your Bible. That looks like worshiping him. That looks like walking with him in the cool of the day and in the garden and walking with him. But as we walk with him, we learn about him through the word that he has given us. So we have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus in all circumstance, including the word. So Jesus is the text. The second thing I wanna say is he is the root. We read the Bible to root ourselves, to ground ourselves. When I last spoke, I said, oh, um, I mentioned that I read the Bible in 30 days. And Steve was like, why did you do that? Like, what was that for? He's like, can you tell us? And I would love to say it was so that I could brag about it. If I'm honest, it was hard and it was grim. And I, it, like, it was a lot. But I did it because I felt like my life felt a bit chaotic. You know, when you just can't ground yourself, there's things coming at you and you're like, oh, and there's this thing. And then there's this thing. And then there's this thing. And I really felt the Lord say, you need to get rid of all the stuff. Stop it and come back into my word. So that meant reading 40 chapters of Genesis in a day. That meant doing that and actually stripping, and it's a lot. 
That's a lot, especially when you get to Leviticus and Numbers, guys. Those days were tough. Also, the genealogies. I was writing baby name lists, left, right, and center. But like, I felt the Lord say, come back. Shake off the stuff and come back and root yourself. We get to reaffirm our faith when we read the word of God. We get to build our life on what it says. If we're walking and we're worshiping and we live for Jesus, but then we, then we leave his presence, we're like, but I just, I just feel so alone. If you're not in the word of God, you can't combat it with the truth of what he says about you. But actually, when you're in the word of God, you get to say, Jesus, you never leave me. You never forsake me. And that is the truth that I'm going to live my life on. When you see people getting healed and you're like, mm, I just, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm trying to, I don't know about you. Sometimes we always try and rationalize it, don't we? We try and do that. But actually, as you read the word of God, everyone that encounters Jesus is healed. So if I believe Jesus is in the room, people will get healed. It grounds our faith. It grounds who we are. It's either true or it isn't. And are you going to build your life on the truth of Jesus? Every single word, not just some of it, all of it. Where do you put your faith? Is it in the word of God? You know, as people, we can be so like flung from left to right by our feelings. I, I often talk about it with our teenagers by icks. We had like some of the, some people in the room like, what on earth is an ick? So an ick, to clarify, is if you say oh this is an ick if a guy does this I've never so one of them is guys using umbrellas people don't like it when guys use umbrellas I know it's weird I'm not going to get into icks but we're so easily swayed aren't we to the left or to the right we can feel one thing (laughs) we can feel one thing but someone does something something happens and it completely changes our feeling so in that circumstance they could be the most beautiful human but some of, I'm not going to include me in this because I don't find it an ick. Some of you girls always oh, use an umbrella is not, is not great anymore. Some of us might be walking and might, my life is great. Oh, I've had a falling out with my friend. My life is rubbish. Some of us are walking and we're saying, this is perfect. Everything is great. Oh, but I didn't get that job I wanted. So God doesn't love me anymore. Sometimes we're swayed by our feelings. That could change today, tomorrow. But actually the word of God never changes. And as we read it, our life begins to be rooted in the truth that he speaks over you. He is the one. God is good and he is eternal. That is where we build our life. And as we build our life and we root our life in the word of God, we get to use it as a weapon. So we're going to read from Matthew. If you've got your Bible, if you've got your physical Bible, I'm looking at my youth over here physical Bible's good. I was like, you can't show me up tonight. (laughs) So we're going to read from Matthew 4. I'm just going to read this quickly. And this is where even Jesus uses the word of God to fight the enemy. And if Jesus needs the word of God to speak truth into darkness, how much more do we need the word of God? to speak truth into our circumstances, to speak truth into our lives, to speak truth into what is going on. So I'm going to read this quite quickly. So it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I think that's such an understatement. I'm sorry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Then he answered, It is written, 
Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will give the angels orders concerning you and they will support you with their hands so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, he comes back at him with scripture. It is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him at a very high mountain and showed him all the kings of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all of these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Jesus uses the written word of God as warfare. Jesus, who is God, who is the word, who knows it, knows the importance of speaking the word of God into circumstances, into situations when we're tempted, when we have attack, he spoke the word of God. How much more do we need to do that and use it? And we can only do that if our life is rooted on the truth in the Bible, in his presence. We have to come back to the truth of Jesus. Is your house built on the solid rock? Lots of us know this story. We might have sang a song when we were younger about it. The man who built his house upon the rock, it doesn't go. The one that builds his house on the sand, when the rain comes, the wind comes, it crumbles. Is your life built on the solid rock of the Lord? His word, his truth, his presence, all of it. When the rain comes, when the wind comes, is your life built? on the solid rock, who Jesus is. So the Bible is Jesus in print. He is our solid rock. And then finally, the Bible is called to propellers. As we read it, not only do we know who Jesus is, not only do we know who he calls us to be and where to root our lives, it's actually an instruction of how to live our life, of where to go and what to do. You're called to preach the gospel. For some of you, you're like, no, no, I'm a quiet one. That's not for me. In fact, Jesus tells you you're called to preach the gospel. I always say this. It's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. It's not a choice. He calls you to preach the gospel. It's an action. As you read the Bible, you hear what he says about the exciting things he has for your life. I love reading Acts and the early church and what it looks like to live for Jesus in that time. And you know, the truth is that the Holy Spirit will move now as he did then. When you read it, there is stories of boys falling out of windows and they fall out and they die and then Paul goes down and he prays and they raise back from the dead and that's normal. There's stories of them, they've been locked up in prison, they worship and the prison opens and they walk out free men. And then they go to someone's house and they think it's an angel because that's more normal than seeing a human. Like that is the reality of what they were living in. And we are called to walk in signs and wonders. That is our inheritance to walk in the spirit and in truth and walk out that life. I think we're beginning to see some of it. We're seeing the healings. We're seeing the campus revival. We're seeing people come to know Jesus over and over and over again. But what does it look like when we fully believe our inheritance that the Bible says? Do you, I pray this, I, I was gonna say, do you pray this? But I'm, I pray that people would be healed by my shadow, not because of anything that I do, 
but because I know the Lord so well that people see Jesus in me and they're healed. And that comes from knowing who God is and we know him through the Bible. As the world gets wilder, as conversations come up in your uni campus, in your colleges, in your workplaces where you have to stand on truth and you have to come against some of the things that they're saying, when your life is built on the truth, it's so much easier to do so. And you get to do it in love because Jesus is love, but he's also the truth teller. When I used to work for the football club, there was a, a thing every year where you'd have to wear rainbow laces. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to support and do that and in whatever way it was. And it was really hard to stand and be truthful in that moment because everyone was doing it and I was going to look different. But in those moments, I knew that my life was for the audience of one. The one who has spoken over my life from the beginning of time. The one who was the word in the beginning. The one who sought after the Israelites. The one who created a nation. The one who came onto earth. Who walked the earth and healed many. The one who died and rose again so that we could live in eternity with him. That is the one that I'm living my life for. And we know who he is by reading his word. So when we come into circumstances in work, in our colleges, in schools that are hard to have those conversations, when we know Jesus, when we know his word, we get to bring the truth. Hebrews says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even into dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, but the word is alive and it moves and it can walk in, you can use it in any circumstance and any situation. And believe me, as you speak the word of God, things change. As you speak the word of God over your life, over your friend's life, it changes things. The word of God is true. And you have a choice whether to live by it, live for it, live in it, and love it, and be overwhelmed by it. The same way Steve said, it's like honey. As we read the word of the Bible, do you want it to be like honey to you? Do you want it to be sweet to taste? Do you want to read it and just want more? You know, we find it so easy to get stuck down a YouTube hole of like different videos of people that are obsessed with things or an Instagram hole where we scroll or we just talk to people over and over again but we want to be obsessed with Jesus we want to be obsessed with his presence we want to be obsessed with worshiping him and we want to be obsessed with his word so what does it look like for us to live that life so the bible is Jesus in text he is the right in Jesus is our solid rock. The Bible is our solid rock that we build our life on. And thirdly, the Bible sends us into what we're meant to do. We're called to walk in signs and wonders. And just to finish, I want to give some really practical ways we can read the Bible. Because I think a lot of us will be like, yeah, I know that, that about the Bible. I know these things. But actually, how do we physically read the Bible? Because sometimes we come to this book, and it's quite a thick book, as I said, I watch, I watch videos rather than reading in English. Like, this is an overwhelming book, and even if it's not, sometimes we're like, I just don't quite know where to start or what it looks like. What I would say to you 
as I said at the beginning, it's a non-negotiable. Just read it. Even if you don't feel like it, read it. If you read it and you're not fully sure what you read, read it. If you wake up tired, read it. If you go to bed a bit later, read it. Bill Johnson says this amazing quote. He says, I couldn't tell you what I ate for breakfast four days ago, but I know it nourished me. It's the same when we read our Bible, when it becomes a habit in our life, when we read the word of God. Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, oh, I need to make sure I read the Bible. And I'm not going to lie, it probably doesn't penetrate my soul in the same way when I'm sat drinking coffee and there's a table there next to me and it's all like that. But I know the word of God is the breath of God, so it will always nourish my soul. So no matter what, read your Bible. Make that time, whatever it is, whenever it is. I would encourage you to start your day reading the Bible and end your day reading the Bible before you even pick up your phone, before you even do anything else. I've actually got an Alexa and it's my alarm clock. So the first words, it actually really annoyed me for a long time that the first words of my life were, Alexa, be quiet. I hated it. So I will now let my alarm go longer so that I can say, Holy Spirit, good morning, Alexa, be quiet. And then I open my Bible. But what is the first thing you do when you wake up? Is it that you seek the face of Jesus in his presence, in his word? What's the last thing you do when you go to bed? Do you scroll TikTok for six hours? Yep. Or do you say, Jesus, I'm going to read your word. When you've got 10 minutes free in the day, when you're, when you're just doing stuff, when you're busy, what do you do to pick up randomly? What do you do with that time? Do you read your word? Do you listen to the word of God? Make that time for the word of God. As you read it, invite the Holy Spirit into it. As you open it, as I said, it is the word of Jesus from beginning to end, but you have to ask Jesus to come and read it with you. And I, like I said, I practically do it, but I have Jesus. I have a space for Jesus. Some of you might not want to do that. You might be like, Mills, you're crazy. Don't do that. But invite Jesus in as you read it. Open it and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me read your word. Help me meet you in this. Because it's easy when we're reading the stories of Jesus healing. We're like, I see Jesus in it. But when you get into other parts, you're like, Jesus, I don't quite know where you are. Ask him. See what he says. Do it with other people too. Read your Bible with your friends. Ask questions to your friends. Discuss it together. Imagine if all your conversations with your friends were about Jesus. How different would your life look? If everything you spoke about was, oh, I read this this morning. Do you know what that means? Or how do we apply this to our life when it says we're called to walk in signs and wonders? What does that look like? How do you think we do that? Don't be afraid to open your Bible with your friends. Make those Bible study dates. Do it, teach each other, challenge each other. Read it with each other. When something jump, jumps out, dwell on that word. So once you've invited Holy Spirit, he will begin to highlight things to you. The same way he did with the oil, he'll begin to highlight things. And don't be in a rush to move on. I think sometimes we can be like, well, I need to do my Bible reading in the morning. I need to read this chapter, bam, done, great, cool, tick. It's done, isn't it? But actually, as we read the word of God, as he speaks, we pause. 
and we go deep in that moment and we see where his breath has fallen in that moment and we lean in to what he's saying. So just do it, invite the Holy Spirit in, dwell on his word. And finally, I'd say speak the Bible over yourself. We're called to root our life in the Bible. So I'd actually memorize some scriptures, have some that you memorize, write them on your mirror, write them wherever, and actually spend time memorizing them so that when life gets tough, because it does, but Jesus always wins. So have these Bible verses that you know you can come and use the Bible as that double-edged sword that speaks into circumstances, that speaks into places, that speaks into your life, that reaffirms who God says you are and what he calls you to do and speak them over your life. Speak the truth that you are fearfully and wonderfully made over your life. Speak the truth of what you're called to, that you are a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. That is who you are. Speak those truths over you because the Father speaks them over you. So read the Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to join with you and speak them over yourself. The word of God is true. It always points to Jesus it grounds your life and it sends us to do his work. And my prayer is that you would fall in love with the Bible, that the Bible wouldn't be a tick list. It wouldn't just be a book. That as you hold your Bible, you hold Jesus. That as you open your Bible, you see Jesus. As you read your Bible, your life is transformed. Not just so you can say, yeah, I've read this book. But you can say, I met Jesus this morning when I opened my Bible and it was beautiful. I met Jesus this evening as I finished my day reading the Bible and it was, it was such a wonderful moment in the Lord's presence. Would you fall in love with the Bible? I'm done. I'd love to pray for you. So why don't you stand?